0: There are so many different ways that public policy can change based upon the data that you have. Mm -hmm. And I understand that's not your bailiwick, but it's that data is, without that, public policy will never change. Right. That's right. Um, and so, so I wanted to make sure that you and I had a chance to talk about the value of epidemiologic yeah, studies. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Uh, and so if you, could, if you could just touch base upon why it's so powerful yeah, and yeah. how it's
1: so powerful. Sure, well, uh, there's this wonderful, wonderful study, 1851, Snow on Cholera, beautiful study. Nobody knew what caused cholera. Snow found out, he did a lot of different pieces to the study, but he found out that people who were drinking water from this water supply company had a much higher cholera rate than people who were drinking water from that water supply company. In those days in London, water supply companies competed with each other to supply water. And he went and looked to see where the water came from for the Southwark and Vauxhall Water Company, which was the one that was associated with lots of cholera, and the Lambeth Company, which had very little cholera. Lambeth Company was getting their water from the Thames upstream from London. Southwark and Vauxhall was getting their water 10 feet downstream from a sewage outlet pipe. Nobody knew that this was a bad thing. After Snow did this study, uh, people all over Europe and the United States all of a sudden started saying, let's clean up the water supply. They didn't know anything about uh, uh, bacteria causing illness since 1851. And still, he was saving lives by doing this preliminary epidemiological stuff. The stuff on cigarette smoking and cancer is the same kind of deal. You find very beautiful evidence ahead of time, before you know what the mechanism is, before you do the lab studies, and then you can get people to live longer just on the basis of the epidemiological studies. Uh, uh, Lind on, on on scurvy would be another example. This is Lind in 1750 discovers that. Um, if people eat these and these kinds of foods, they're then less likely to get scurvy, scurvy than those and those kinds of foods. And 1750, nobody knew about vitamins. And look at the lives that this guy saved. Look at the difference that he made.
0: Well, in many ways, these are the actual greatest advances in medicine or, yes. for public health. Uh, you know, proper sanitation. Right. Uh, Hand washing, right, right, uh, and those were all really epidemiologic, public health type of
1: approaches, right? right. Semmelweis uh, discovering that that uh, that if the physician washed his hands, he'd be less likely to have uh, patients who were infected. I mean, uh, right? It, it's just wonderful stuff, but it is only preliminary stuff. The next step is the, the lab work, and the next step is up to not the epidemiologist, but people who do different kind of work. And do you feel a little bit like a detective when you're doing this? It is wonderful. And actually, um, uh, one of the thing, when I taught my epidemiology class, I would ask the students to tell me, in what ways is the epidemiologist like a detective? And in what ways is the epidemiologist not like a detective? And I point out to them that Sherlock Holmes, uh, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle, was a physician, and he modeled Sherlock Holmes on a physician that he knew was very good at working out these very subtle details.